Hello, and welcome to Sounding Out with Izzy, the podcast where we have conversations with musicians, music producers, publicists, live promoters, zine makers, journalists, and more about their experiences working in the music industry as women, non-binary, and queer people. I'm your host, Isabel Corp the founder of the Queer Femme music-based blog and YouTube channel, A Girl's Two Sound Sense. For today's episode, I am joined by Ashrita Kumar, the fiery and audacious lead singer of Pink Shift. What I've always found fascinating about Ashrita's story in particular is the fact that they never planned on becoming a full-time musician. They met their bandmates at the Johns Hopkins School of Medicine, and that was their original long-term plan, to finish medical school and go into that practice. However, after putting out their debut EP, Saccharin, in 2021, Pink Shift went mega viral pretty quickly and went on their first tour, opening for Mannequin Pussy and Angel Dust. Man, imagine your first tour ever being with Mannequin Pussy. That's actually insane. Ashrita and I discuss everything from their deep love of No Doubt to what makes them tick as a creative person and the serenity of allowing the trajectory of your life to take you wherever it may, no matter how unexpected. And without further ado, let's get right into this episode. I love how you brought your whole rig with you. <laughs> oh, I'm just at home right now. So I'm just, I was just sitting with my guitar. Yeah. Nice. How are you doing? I'm good. Just like enjoying the snow. <laughs> yeah. There was uh, like a really, really strong gust the other day where it was just to the point where you could hear like everything like rippling and whistling. Like, and you're just like, oh my God, this wind. Where are you again? I don't remember. I'm in New York. New York. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think whatever storms have been going through Baltimore have been going all the way up there too. Well, it's nice to meet you. We met, though. We met before, right? We met at, like, a show or something? Yeah, we met at Irving Plaza backstage. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we met, and but um, I took forever to get back to you, so appreciate you still having me on. Totally fine. Like, I, I wouldn't expect you to be, like, super vigilant about texting people while you're, like, in the tour van constantly and in a different oh, yeah. city every day, so. <laughs> <laughs> it's so chaotic. But yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, to start off, 2023 was quite the year for y'all. I feel like you took the stage at every festival under the sun, went on a tour with LS Dunes. Your 2022 album is still doing numbers. And oh, thank you. What have been some of like your biggest personal like highs and lows of this past year now that we're sort of gearing into? A new year yeah I mean I guess it's crazy kind of just like being on tour all year that's basically what we did like all most of 2023 like we were we had our first tour of the well we had our first tour of the year in like January but like our uh, like 
we started touring in April and then we didn't really stop until like December. So there was definitely like a lot of like, I just wasn't used to that, you know, and I don't think I, I, any of us really were. So there were a lot of like struggles just with that, you know, just like, oh, like I haven't been home in like months, Loki, <laughs> and just kind of like coping with that and like staying grounded while like being on the road. And I don't know, just like meeting a lot of people and going to a lot of new places and having a lot of new experiences, too, which was like really cool. But yeah, it really does kind of feel like, oh, OK, I'm just kind of like I'm trying to keep up with life. <laughs> it's like happening. It's happening. So, you know, but it does feel nice to be back at home. Yeah, I bet. So what kind of like pointers and stuff did you pick up from touring with someone like Anthony Green that you think you'll be carrying with you going forward? Yeah, that's actually it's that one of the things that I like he explicitly gave me advice about was to like stop worrying so much like Anthony Green I remember him like saying that to me (laughs) in like the green room and I was like oh yeah you're right like I'm you can't be like so anxious about everything all the time I think like in general though like that whole band they're really cool they're they're really nice to us and they were like super welcoming and like just really sweet people and like even just like watching them perform every night and watching them interact with their fans and like I don't know just seeing like these people who have been doing this for like over like maybe like 20 years or something I don't know almost 20 years over 20 years it was like and they all have families and stuff and like they've like really like they're really like pros so it was really it was a a privilege to really like I don't know be on on the road with them and like learn from them and just like be around people like that you know they're just they're they're really knowledgeable and they're very helpful and they're all just dads. So they're really sweet to be around and they know a lot. (laughs) So it's, it's really cool to just, uh, it was really cool to just like be like, you know, around them and like ask them questions and stuff like that. Um, But yeah, like that was, that was sick. That was a really great opportunity. It was, it was awesome. And they're now we've gotten to know like everybody and like, they're all really nice people too. So it's been great. (laughs) Yeah. That's really, that's really cool too. And so it feels like, it still feels like just yesterday, like when you guys put out, I'm going to tell my therapist on you, even though it was like four to five years ago, it's insane. But has it really been, I guess it was four years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Three years ago. Three years ago. Because it was 2020. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Or four years ago. No, four years ago because it's 24. Yeah, you're right. (laughs) That is crazy. But like what psychologically really drives the direction of your writing and how often would you say writing occurs as like a practice for you? I think writing is just like something I've always done like low-key I feel like because like I went to school for a while and I thought I was going to be something else and I worked really hard towards stuff that I don't even that don't things that don't even pop up in my life anymore you know like my degree um but for the whole time music has just always been something that like was like okay cool like 
I'm going to like get through this thing that I have to do today. And then I'm going to go like play piano for like a couple hours by myself and maybe write a couple songs and maybe I'll just like record them and keep them on my phone. But that's kind of just like always been like my, like, I don't know, the thing that keeps me grounded. So in terms of like, the psychological drive or whatever <laughs> I just I mean music is just kind of like always been a part of my life and I, it's just like a way that I cope it's definitely uh worked better for me than therapy so <laughs> yeah that that's kind of like my thing at least like with music it's, it's just always been there so now it's like with, with Pink Shift it's cool to have that outlet and like just that you know that that thing like oh like other people want to listen to it too like we can all just like enjoy these songs together and like you guys already know them before you show up like that's crazy like that's that's kind of that that's how it's kind of grown into like become like my life so now it's just kind of like I work really I, I'm able to like be really in harmony with what I with what I do every day because it's just I'm just like you know what I mean? I'm like resonating. <laughs> like it feels really good. So that's kind of like how music is part of my life. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And it's really cool to see like how that can like set off like a wave of like energy in the communal sense when you play in front of people too. I remember I think this might have been before I walked up to you to like shoot my shot and introduce myself at, <laughs> at the Irving show. Was it? Maybe? I think. But when, when you and y'all and Sweet Pill opened for Origami Angel at LPR, I remember like looking at all these 16 year olds and like the entire crowd as y'all started just went <laughs> and like the circle pit like was like ready to like descend into all nine circles of hell and i was like this oh is... shit you were, you were at that show too yeah i was like That's what cool. a time to be alive yeah. i am a little older now so like i unfortunately <laughs> did not partake in that but it was really really cool to to witness oh yeah that was a really fun show and it was i i, I do remember that like our the, the kids who come to our shows like they tend to always bring that en energy and i really love them for that because it makes it a really good time like you know <laughs> for sure yeah man i i miss the days when i could mosh <laughs> yeah um, but our mosh pits I, I always hear that you know from people who come to our shows that our mosh pits are like really nice yeah so i guess it really depends on the band that you're going to see too just like how those pits are at their shows because i think everybody's pit is different <laughs> yeah so I also wanted to ask about, cause like initially before you just sort of fell into the groove of being a full-time musician, you were going to pursue like a more buttoned up career, if I'm correct. Yeah. You, I saw that you went to Johns Hopkins and I was like, okay, smart kid. <laughs> <laughs> so what were you yeah. gonna do initially? Uh, well, I was gonna go to medical school. Like, that was, like, my goal. But, like, I think in the middle there, I, I also, I, I was really, and I still am, like, interested in public health. So I ended up doing, like, a year, like, a master's for, like, a year at the School of Public Health, too. 
So I, I was just really passionate about like healthcare and, you know, like, I don't know, healing and the, like, you know, bring, bringing relief, I think, to people, which is something I am actually able to do better as a musician, ironically. <laughs> but yeah, like, yeah, that's what I was going to do before. I was going to I was going to try to go to medical school. So it was Myron. Myron actually had already like applied and everything. But yeah, I don't know. When we got our first tour offer, it was just kind of like, okay, cool. So <laughs> like, that's it. <laughs> Everything else can wait. Right. And how long did that tour end up being? That was our first tour was opening for Mannequin Pussy and Angel Dust in 2021. And it was like a seven week tour, I think which was kind of crazy to be like a first tour. It was like, we had never toured before. Like we were like asking Missy, like we were texting her and like, hey, like, do you have any tips like for what we should bring? <laughs> like Stuff like that. But um, yeah, that, that tour was like basically two months. Casual, just your first tour, get, getting a call from Mannequin Pussy or their management, just like, hey. Really, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was really like that. It was crazy. Like it was, it was really awesome. It was cool to be on the road with them too, because they're they're like ten years older than us for the most part. So they really like were very like nice, and they taught us a bunch of stuff. And I don't know, it's like being on the road with like I don't know, like you know what I mean? Like I don't know, like your older siblings or something. Hmm. Like they're really sweet. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I love that. So what would you say initially drew you to the space of punk and hardcore, et cetera? Like what point in your life was this when you really got into the scene? And like, what were you listening to at the time? Like, what what are some of your biggest reference bands that really like influenced the trajectory of uh, your life? So I guess like, when I was when I was growing up, I listened to well, I didn't I didn't listen to like really anything. I just listened to like stuff on the radio like for a while, and then I had a friend in middle school who like introduced me to like Nirvana and like Soundgarden, Stone Temple Pilots, Pearl Jam, and I got really into grunge. Like I just really love I loved that music, and I still do. Like it, Soundgarden is one of my favorite bands. So, yeah, that, that like, always stuck with me. But I never really, like, played guitar or anything. So I, it was just kind of always something. I was always just, like, an enjoyer. And I just, I went to, like, you know, like, my friend's brother's show or something. But I never really, like, I don't have, like, an origin story of, like, getting, like, really into shows and, like, getting in the pit as, like, a kid and, like, you know, all that stuff. I, I didn't really, like, I didn't really do that too much, honestly, until like later, like when I when I met Paul and another one of our friends, June, like we started going to shows a little bit more because Paul was really into like that kind of stuff, like going to concerts. And I didn't go to shows like really at all. So it was really just like kind of the start of the not the band, but like, you know, like I really only started going to to shows and stuff at that point but I had always really loved like 
those bands and then like I also really like Babes in Toyland they were like one of my favorites and I listened to like Sonic Youth and Bikini Kill and all that stuff so yeah like those are always bands that I really really liked and then I think in high school I was really really into No Doubt and I think discovering No Doubt was really sick for me because then me and my friend like one of my friends in high school she was really into it too and we like drove all the way out from Michigan to DC to see no doubt perform at like the global citizen music festival or something it was like free um but like fallout boy was there too missy elliott performed and no doubt performed and those are all of our favorite bands so we went out to see them like we drove like from Michigan to DC and that was really fun but yeah I guess those are like the bands that really influenced me and kind of what got me really into like that music I I just I always liked listening to loud stuff I felt like it drowned out the noise so kind of just stuck with it until I found myself on stage <laughs> kind of yeah for sure yeah I feel like no doubt is like the great equalizer just like I feel like it's almost like a like a rite of passage even like people who are like who don't vibe with ska they'll be like no doubt is probably an exception oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I mean, like I know, like, No Doubt's first album was pretty ska, but I feel like, honestly, after that, they didn't really, like, they had, like, ska elements, but they weren't doing it so much as, like, yeah. it was more of other just, bands. Like, pop, yeah. Yeah, they really became a pop band, and, like, one of, like, I love Tragic Kingdom, but, like, my favorite record by them is Return of Saturn, which is probably, like, their first, like, really, like, pop album. So, yeah, I think Return of Saturn was one of those things where I was just, like, I would listen to it and I'd be, like, oh, this is so, like, like, it's so thought out. Like, they really just, like, you know, like, I don't know. Like, the instrumentals were so good and, like, her vocals were great, Gwen, Gwen Stefani's vocals. And I don't know. I always watched the 1997 Live in Anaheim, Tragic Kingdom, like, video. And when we first started playing shows, like, I really didn't know what else to go off of. So I think I, like, I drew, I drew a lot of inspiration from No no Doubt. But then I kind of, I don't know, I started to develop my own thing, too. So, but yeah, like, they were, they were, like, a really big influence for me. I really liked their music. Yeah, definitely. You mentioning how you used to, like, watch them live at Anaheim all the time, like... Back, like, I think when I was in college and, like, really getting into just w watching shows online and experiencing them vicariously. Oh, espe especially, like, during COVID, like, that was a big pastime when there was so much uncertainty about the future of live music. But, oh, um, yeah, yeah. But, like, I, so I would watch, like, everything that Hate Five Six published. What was it like when, like, getting your shows documented by Hate Five Six? Like, did that feel like a big milestone moment? <laughs> I mean, that was crazy because I think I barely knew Hate Five Six when that happened. But it was 
like it was on that tour with Mannequin Pussy and Angel Dust. And I think Sonny was recording, was going to be recording Mannequin Pussy set because like kind of like as a gift or whatever, because they had gotten all of their stuff stolen on that tour. So he offered to record their their headliner show at first, not first year, at the big venue in Philly, that one, whatever. And just offered to record ours too, because he was already going to be set up. And we were like, oh shit, okay, it has to be really good. Because <laughs> this is going to be probably like the best quality video we ever get of us playing. Um, so that was that was like kind of nerve wracking, honestly, like that experience at first. But after, you know, afterwards, like Sonny's really nice and he's really like supportive of us. And he and we reached out to him and we did the In a Breath like music video together as like a live performance video. And I I love the work that he does. And so it was it was really, really cool that it's really cool that he likes our music too which is like I don't know artists admiring other artists work <laughs> kind of thing it, it, it's really sick yeah I bet and I also wanted to ask you about how you feel about like the sick renaissance of seeing so many queer femme and afab non-binary people like finally step up front and claim the space of like the stage even when it comes to like positions of power like front of house engineers and lighting people and stuff like that. I personally think it's really sick. I I spoke to Home is Where a few weeks ago. Tilly was like, yeah, I think it's really awesome and I'm really happy to see it. And Brandon had like a different take. Her take was not enough. I want more <laughs> selfishly and <laughs> empathetically. <laughs> and I was like, both very valid takes. How do you, so like, how do you feel personally about like the current state of seeing more women and NB front people? really step up to the plate and be like this but this space on stage up front belongs to us too and we're not taking no for an answer well i think that a lot of that has always been around and it's definitely very very vibrant and popping like there there's a huge like there's a huge scene and a huge like you know nationally of like queer punk bands and like people who like mix and all that stuff DJs and like you know a lot of different kinds of artists like punk artists who necessarily aren't even in bands there is a lot of that but I think the issue is like visibility like I think that it got really convenient you know a couple years ago when everybody wanted to be super inclusive for some reason and started spotlighting and giving opportunities to a lot of these bands. And that's, I think, created the illusion of, of there being more of us when I think it's just like, you can see more of us. So, I mean, I always like feel like, like in the world that Pink Shift occupies whenever we have control over like who we can be surrounded by, we try to be surrounded by those artists and like people who really inspire us so like I guess that's like my take <laughs> I feel like 
there's a lot of like there's a lot of different people doing punk and like leading punk and they're not all white guys like honestly I don't even really see white guys running punk bands anymore because that's just not the space that I'm mentally in like there's there's a lot of bands like that but there's I think just needs to be more like visibility and more like I guess for more people to see that for it to be more mainstream and like the punk scene or whatever there just needs to be more industry support of that kind of like seeing honestly like yeah that that's my take on all that so I guess like that there's not enough kind of just relates to like well who's in power you know yeah and you never and you also never know like it's also a double-edged sword because the people in power like you said are um still largely um, the cis privileged older white men who are finally learning that if they don't want to die out quicker than they expected then they need to learn to speak the language of the oppressed and start like giving them the spotlight and stuff like yeah, that and so you I never mean, even know yeah. like what their reason is for it at the end of the day if their motive is genuine or if it's not or yeah well, I've always thought that audiences can demand what they want to see on stage, you know? So it's like, it really is just like more people being vocal about what they want to see and supporting the bands that they want to see. Because the more, the more you like go to that band's like headlining show or like buy their merch or like, you know, just like talk about them online, the bigger that they're going to get. Nobody can really stop them. No, like nobody really can really stop that process just because of, how the internet works obviously but also just like even without the internet just like if a lot of people support something like a band then they're gonna get big that's just unavoidable right <laughs> so I think that that's like a huge factor like we are really blessed to have a lot of support and because of that we can headline a tour which is not something that like every band can do you know so we feel really blessed to be able to do that. But like, you know, like also with headlining a tour, that also means that like we can like pick the bands that we want to play with, you know, like bring out our friends like on tour, like bring out people who we really feel like are making a difference. And so just like creating that space and taking that space is something that is really facilitated by support. Just like a lot of people like, you know, if nobody comes to the show, then like it's hard to do that again. But if a lot of people come then like, we can give you an even bigger show next time it's like things like that yeah definitely and what i think is really cool about the progression and seeing the way that this is shaking out is that the consumers are really making it known this is what we want to see and this band that's doing well or that band that's doing well like this is what we want and we're going to support them to the ends of the earth. And like, it really shows like who really has the power at the end of the day. Yeah, like, totally. It's the, it's the people like, who like are finally like that person on stage looks like me and I don't see that often and I'm going to support them to the end of the earth. And yeah. And like, we're really blessed to like be met with a lot of support like that. And like, even outside of that, you know, like, literally like bands like dunes you know which are just like four white guys or five white guys or you know thursday like these bands that have this position they're taking out bands like us and gel and like 
bands that are doing really cool stuff that are, you know, killing it. Like, I think it's really cool that they see, they kind of see what we're doing and they really support us. Like, yeah, like that, that also means a lot too. I'm sure. Yeah. I, funny story, because you mentioned Thursday, funny story about Thursday. I, uh, one of my friends, Justin, is the lead singer of a local band here called Shark Swimmer. And he's really good friends with Jeff Rickley because Jeff lives in Greenpoint. And for the longest time, I was just like, how can I just like weasel my way in? Like, Justin, how can you help <laughs> me become Jeff Rickley's bestie? And then I, then I, re- and then I, remembered that Jeff like hates Punishers and I'm like never mind okay keep me far away from that man because (laughs) when it comes to punishing I would be insufferable just like jaw the poor man's ear off until it detaches from his body (laughs) he just like oh my god yeah (laughs) yeah um but yeah and I'm sure that's like a insanely awesome like to see the support from like legends like that even like the much older like dads (laughs) oh yeah it's really cool also just like just knowing like how many you know like how many options of bands they have to take out to support like they took us out so that's really sick and that like they really do like hype us up and they believe in us and so that feels really good it feels like okay cool like you know, that helps and feeling like we take up space and it's great. (laughs) It's a good time. It's a good, it's a good use of space. Yeah. Well, I wanted to ask what spurned the picture that you guys made your album art for Love Me Forever, because like it's so visceral and gnarly, like if I can describe it for listeners, like it's it's like a heart, like the actual organ, right? Like being treated as like a pin cushion. Like, (laughs) (laughs) so how did how did that how did that like concept come to light? Honestly, it was really spontaneous. I think all of so all of the like the promo pictures and the album cover and like the like the picture on the back of the album cover and all that too, were taken by a friend of ours, Leanne. And we had stopped at her mom's place, like on tour or something. And we had planned to do like a promo shoot there, like just in the middle of the tour, like in 2022. It was like when we were on tour with Pop. So like in 2022, like in April or something. And I think when we were like planning this shoot, like one of us said like in the group chat, like, oh yeah, it'd be really cool to like, we just like had this concept of like a heart, like holding like a heart, like holding your heart in your hand. Because I think Love Me Forever is like, it's a really like brutally honest record. And it's also just like very visceral and like intense. Honestly, like I can't believe people listen to it front to back because like it's 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 a lot to listen to, you know. It's it's pretty intense. But like that's like the whole vibe of it. It's very much like it's bearing all your pain for the listener to witness is kind of how it feels. So it was just kind of like that idea of like holding your heart in your hand. And then she actually like when we got to like her place. She had actually like bought a cow's heart from like some meat store 
and was like I have this <laughs> and we were like oh, okay she's like I also got like gold glitter because like that's like something that we talked about and it was like gold glitter glue and we were like oh what if this heart was just like oozing like this gold glitter glue and so the three of us just like sat in her driveway and like we put it on a plate and we just started like carving it up and then we started putting like the gold glitter glue in there and we were like oh like you know like what if it was like you're, you're just like just trying so hard to just like stitch this back together so we like put that in there too we stitched it back together like we like everything that you see on the heart like we literally did that in her driveway and we had these like pins and stuff so we like we kind of displayed the heart like how it would be displayed in a dissection is like pulling out and I think she also just made it like better for like the actual image later on but like we just did that like in her driveway we cut it open with a knife and like we like put all this glue in there and stitched it up and pinned it up and put it on this table and put these rose petals all over it and you're just like ah that's it And we took like a picture on our phone and she's like, okay, I'm going to make this a little better and I'll take a better picture of it later. <laughs> and that ended up being our album cover. Basically, yeah, that, w- that was like the whole thing. And I think later on, she cut out, cut off the part that we like poured glitter glue all over. So it was like just me and like threw it out for like coyotes or something. Um. But that's the story of the Love Me Forever album art. Yeah. <laughs> oh, those poor coyotes <laughs> consuming <Yeah>. those glue fumes. <laughs> oh my god, yeah, no. But like but it, I, th- I think she like she cleaned it up. She cleaned it up. But but yeah, that, that was like the idea. It's just kind of like you're like cutting open this heart and it's like so like it's so fucked up and it's just like beyond whatever, but what's oozing out is this like brilliant gold glitter. You know, it's kind of like, it's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, that is really cool. So like, yeah. was she just randomly like meat shopping and just happened to spot the heart and was like, oh, that would be great for the shoot or like. I think we like literally mentioned it in the group chat mm-hmm. and we didn't actually think that we were going to have like an actual heart or anything like that. But like, you can get like cow heart and like liver and like all that kind of stuff from like like butcher shops and stuff so yeah (laughs) she picked it up and it was kind of a surprise just because we were just like we didn't expect that to be a possibility (laughs) so that was cool (laughs) yeah for sure so what do you have in the works for 2024 that you're super excited about coming up yeah well so we kind of you know like we were touring all year last year so and we were kind of just like okay love me forever is is good but like we need to just like take a break and like do something else <laughs> so we've been writing having Suraksha was really nice too being able to play those songs and share those songs with people live has been like a really cool experience that's really informed like how we're writing now so it's been it's been really cool it's it's been like like a hunker down winter just like we're meeting three days a week and we're just like writing and practicing and stuff like that just just to like 
keep it going and be creative and have more space to be creative because we haven't had space to be creative in in a minute so it's been nice that's kind of like what what it's what, what the front half of 2024 is at least looking like is we're we're really we put together a good amount of songs and we're just putting together more hoping to record and stuff do the whole thing over again write a second album well it's exciting well ashrita thank you so much for agreeing to come on here and chat yeah of course thanks so much for having me it's been really nice Thank you so much for listening to Sounding Out with Izzy, and thank you again to Ashrita for joining me today. Remember to subscribe and sign up for the mailing list on my YouTube channel and written blog, both under the name A Girl's Two Sound Sense. Give the podcast a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you so much for listening, and I will catch you in the next episode of Sounding Out with Izzy.